Welcome to What's Your Beef? What's Your Beef is proudly supported by Suncorp Bank, helping local producers through the ups and downs since 1902. Each week we will introduce you to people working in the beef industry and some of the characters that help deliver the iconic event that is Beef Australia. Hello and welcome to What's Your Beef? I'm Jane Cudahy. We're into the year 2021, which means Beef 21 will be here before you know it. Sponsors are being locked in, trade stalls finalised, menus being tested. However, possibly some of the more complex and exciting decisions are around the all-important symposium and guest speakers. Trent Thorne is a member of Beef 21's symposium committee, but is much more famous as a special counsel for McCulloch Robinson Lawyers in Brisbane. He's also a co-leader of the company's food and agribusiness group and is recognised as a committed and passionate legal specialist for the agricultural sector. And according to my husband, he's got quite the presence on Twitter. Thanks so much for joining us, Trent. That's not a problem. I'm not sure that's quite the rap, having a presence on Twitter, but I'll I'll, I'll let that one go through the keeper. But the amount of people I've met uh, through the rural sector who I've started conversations with on Twitter, you know, m- makes it all worthwhile. It's extraordinary, actually. And look, you haven't been banned for life yet, so maybe that's not <laughs> as exciting. But, you know, um, uh, it, it does amaze me how many rural people are on Twitter and use it not just for socialising while they're driving around on a tractor or whatever, but um, for, for serious business too. It's, it's quite an interesting tool. Yeah, well, it absolutely allows people, particularly in those very remote areas, to feel as though they can, you know, they're part of the conversation. I, you know, I, I imagine over year or years ago that they would have been able to get on the two way, but that obviously limited their ability and, and, and the, the reach. But that's the thing I see is, you know, there's plenty of people on there in the middle of the country who are, you know, parts of debates that they were never able to, you know, become involved in for. So, Trent, you're here, I guess, you know, the symposium, and we'll get to that and talking about Beef 21. But, um, you know, as I said, you've got quite the career outside of your volunteer committee roles. So how did you first come into your career? Where did you grow up? How did you how did you get to where you are? Uh, I grew up in Toowoomba. So my father uh, was, uh, well, we owned a, a family bakery um, in Toowoomba for about 50 years, which is was quite well known on Ruffin Street there. It was called Mum's Bakery. So um, I, <laughs> I do have a little bit of a rural background there. And, um, my brother and I went you know, through all our secondary schooling in, um, in Toowoomba. But then uh, subsequent to that, so like, you know, that's not deeply rural roots by any means, but my brother then headed west, um, long reach, and then into the Territory, and, and I proceeded to join him Um you know, at some stage and as a jackaroo. But this is just, I want to back up a little bit here because you've skipped a couple of steps. You didn't just, you know, you had started one of your various degrees before that. So, you yes. know, as you say, you followed him up there, but there was some other other interests first. Uh, that, well, that's right. So, look, I, I originally uh, left, when I left school, I went to the University of Queensland to do commerce, which is basically a business degree. Um, and... I look, it is absolutely fair to say that um, I um, thoroughly enjoyed my first couple of years at university and, and, and applying myself to my studies was the least of my concerns and my marks absolutely reflected that <laughs> come the end of my second year at university. So I um, thought I'd do everyone a massive favour and, and try and go and do something 
you know, which which I would not ordinarily do, and also get out of Brisbane because I was just basically enjoying myself um, far too much, which you know really shouldn't be a crime. But that's a, but that's an interesting sort of self reflection to have at that age too, where you just like the lot, you know, this is you're young and free and everything else. So to have that's quite a mature, you know, reflection at that stage. Well, I, I, well, if you'd seen the way I was acting at some of the pubs that certain evenings, it was, certainly wasn't mature. Oh, wow. But yeah, well, look, I, now you got me intrigued, I, Trent. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I basically had, uh, you know, I'd, I'd formed the view that if, if I continued to, you know, um, uh, not uh, pursue my studies appropriately, it was just, as I said, it was just a waste of everyone's time. And my, you know, the, the degree would have been largely useless once I got to the other end. So I just thought, look, you need to go and clear your hair. The best place, clear your hair, the best place to do that is probably go to the, the middle of the outback. And I, <laughs> and I, I, I knew that I at least had my, my brother um, who was working on Wave Hill Station at the time, which I know it's only recently sold over the last couple of weeks. Um, so Wave Hill's a very famous station, you know, in terms of uh, the land rights movement. It's, you know, the, the, the place, the first walk-off, like in about 1974, um, so it, it is one of the very large, um, you know, stations in the Northern Territory. I think it's, I think it's about 6,000 uh, square kilometres. Um, so, so enormous. plenty of fresh air to clear your head there. Yes, yeah. Um, so Nick effectively, well, I had to apply for a job there, but because I obviously family relations, I got the job. And so I went jackarooing for the year, which was absolutely brilliant. Loved it. Um, it was obviously not easy work by any means it was you know the typical stock and station camps and i was i was in the stock camp so you're basically you know camped out for weeks months at a time um you know i, I think the first weekend we had off was um come the kimberley show so we had sort of six months where we worked seven days a week which you know was was fine because i was up there to you know experience you know that um that lifestyle and also save some money so look it, it was an absolutely incredible year i loved it but it also made me grow up pretty bloody quickly because i thought this is incredibly hard work and you've, you have a real appreciation of what goes into running those operations and you know i just thought here i am you know pissing a buddy commerce degree up the wall i need to go back and apply myself a little bit more and, and treat this all a little bit more seriously you know um so it it, it it was one of those sort of cathartic moments in life. And as I said, I loved it as well because it at least gave me an appreciation and understanding of, of rural communities and also the beef sector. Yeah, absolutely. And then you sort of – we come back to that because I think you, you're quite outspoken, especially on the live export um, ban at the time. And I guess part of that is the tie back to some of your brother's um, relationships and, and business. But we'll, we'll come back to that because you did go back to Brisbane and you applied yourself. I did. So, yeah, I went back and um, uh, finished my commerce degree and ended up, you know, using that degree for a couple of years. And then without going too deep into it, went to the UK for a year, did the usual, you know, um, European sort of trip um, and and decided while I was over there that um, when working one of the particular jobs I was doing that it might be a bad idea to come back and, and study law. Um, and so then I, I basically came back completed my law degree and since that date I've been basically engaged um, sort of large Brisbane law firms. But you specialise in um, in agriculture, agribusiness and some of those rural dealings. So that that side of things must have resonated. It's not like you went and did, you know, um, nautical law or any of those random 
other. Well, you know, interesting, but well, look, it's and I suppose people in the in the legal sector would know there's no actual specific agribusiness law as such. But what we do as a firm is we, you know, obviously have a large and broad range of agricultural clients. You know, not only in the beef sector, you know, broad acre cropping, aquaculture, um, cane. Um, you know, as I said, right up and down the supply chain. And because we have, you know, um, people who've been doing this work for quite a while, um, we can offer some, you know, tailored services. And we, we understand the sector better than most, you know. So when people come to us with their unique problems, they don't need to explain to us, you know, um, how their operation works. We we already get that. So they can sort of hit the ground running with some of their, their problems or it's not always problems. It's, it's, sometimes it's, it's, you know, trying to help themselves solve, you know, or sell something or, mm. or um, you know, get financing or invest in something. So the, it, 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 you talk about it, we basically do it. And the best part about it all, and it sounds trite, is we, we seem to have the best group of clients too. Like it's, you know, they're lovely, soul-to-the-earth people, most of our clients, and that's, you know, got, says a fair bit about rural Australia. So it's, it's a phenomenal area to work in, um, particularly at the moment, like... I know COVID's really causing significant problems on an economic front around around the globe and, and in certain parts of our economy, but there's no doubt the, the ag sector and, and, and the beef sector in particular and root health. So why do you think that is? And I guess, you know, when you're dealing with so many um, investments and, and big companies, um, corporates and, and, you know, some of those bigger properties, why is beef doing so well? I suppose if I focus maybe just on ag, firstly, the, the people, and it's been you know, the bugbear of uh, you know significant parts of the beef sector and the ag sector for a while, is that um, you know returns can be lumpy, and everyone knows that it's a volatile sector that we're, we're dealing with because of you know climate risks and and all you know and, and rainfall and the rest of it, um, and some investors have been you know put off by that that it hasn't been a consistent return whereas but you know if you take the long-term view and you know, this has been borne out over many decades like that there is good returns to be made in the ag sector and i think it's just we've gotten better that is not just in the beef sector but you know the we've got still got room to move but we've certainly got better at telling our story and you know getting we're getting much better nowadays talking about how sustainable we are and how um, you know, how we can, you know, do things to positively benefit other areas of our society. So whilst there are some concerns and there's certain groups that love to, you know, uh, you know um, point the finger at, at some of our operations, look, there's, there's no doubt people are seeing value in what we do and they're seeing that they can make money, you know, if they invest in the agricultural sector. So, and, and that will only continue into the future. You know, food security this year has, you know, been, Incredible, you know, well, sorry, last year, at the start of the pandemic, was one of the first times in recent history where people have actually started thinking about where their food comes from. You know, if we saw park off for the moment the, the run on toilet paper, you know, the, the significant staple items, you know, people had never really thought about that before. They were just so attuned to walking in, picking up something and not giving it, you know, a thought. For... Well, they hadn't thought about it in this generation. I think, you know, our grandparents' generation, they had previous experience where they were put, like I know my grandparents are pretty frugal on many fronts because they had that lived experience this is sort of like our generation's reminder that you know we do need to be more aware well that's right and, and that's what I was, I was getting to was that food security 
has never been something that we had ever really thought about here other than, you know, when you're talking about, you know, third world countries. But, you know, people are now probably starting to realise how important some of these industries are and how, you know, that they need to be cherished a lot more um, and, and a little bit more consideration needs to be given to them instead of, you know, agriculture seems to be an easy target to kick a lot of the time. Um, so, look, we've obviously got a lot more... Uh, dealing with COVID for the next six months and 12 months, um, which, you know, it doesn't please me, but um, hopefully one of the long-term things that comes out of this is a new appreciation for all the work that's being done out in these rural communities to, you know, to allow people to continue to, you know, operate and, and, and run their lives. So just to continue that conversation, though, because, you know, you're, you're dealing with the legal side of things and you'd like to think that that's, you know, most part of it's pretty black and white, but you're dealing with the agricultural sector, which is sometimes does have quite a lot of emotion and social issues that come into it. How hard is it to separate that and to just remain with the issue when there are obviously big emotions, big families, big numbers and that sort of thing that are involved? Um, it's probably a little bit harder for me because I, I probably wear my heart in my sleeve, particularly with, you know, some of the issues I've had to deal with over the years. And then you referred earlier to the live export um, debacle in, in 2011. Um, and I'm sure we'll, we'll touch upon some of that um, as we move forward here. But animal, uh, you know, some of the animal activists uh, space and the people who are in that space, I've, I've had to deal with a lot of issues and so when it's things of that nature I, I can't not sort of um, bring some of my emotions to bear but uh, I suppose a lot of the matters that we deal with are you know uh, they're very matter of fact there's some succession matters we deal with you know there's obviously a little bit of family toing and to and froing but otherwise most things are generally um, it's pretty easy to, to, you know, demarcate the emotion and just the business business side of things. Yeah. So why why was the live export the exception to the rule for you? I probably may, may need to make clear up front. My um, my brother owns um, one of the largest live export uh, holding facilities. It's a registered premises um, just south of Darwin, um, and he also has shares in a couple of live export ships. So he's significantly involved in the live export sector. And so when, you know, the Four Corners program first aired, you know, I remember, and I've said this a few times over the years, I remember quite naively saying to him, there's no way that, the, you know, the government will, you know, um, hobble uh, a thriving sector of, of our economy. There's no way a government would do that, you know, and lo and behold, a week later, that's exactly what happened. And, and that's probably what started my deep dive into how the hell does this sort of group have this level of power and that's really where I've I have spent a lot of time focusing on that over the years so um, obviously I had to deal with and I am still dealing with a lot of clients with the fallout of that because you know the decision was handed down last year obviously um, so now some of our clients are moving toward the compensation phase um, but that was nine years ago um, and, you know, I, I look at the live export sector in particular and, and see how vital it is for the northern cattle industry. And, um, you know, there is people who will do nothing um, but, uh, you know, spend their dying days trying to shut it down. You know, that it doesn't matter what evidence you provide or facts, you know, um, they just want to see an end to it. For mine, it's, as I said, it's an absolutely critical part of, our, our beef industry, you know, it provides producers with 
an alternative to you know selling domestically and provides that tension in the market. You take that out of the market, um, particularly northern part of, of Australia, it means the processes will have a little bit more of a whip hand. And I'm not I'm not here to kick the processes. That's not what I'm mm. I'm trying to do. But it, it it at least gives the producers options, you know. And I think that's what's required in the market, you know. Um, and I think you know just, that decision too just exposed exactly how complex that system is, and not just domestic. It was, you know, it, at the end of the day, supplies quite a chunk of um, of the world with basic protein who would not be able to get it any other way. Well, that's right. You know, and I, I look at it and I call it like economic colonialism. It's, you know, it, it's like we, that is people in Australia, which we, 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 like we're saying we're more evolved than, than you people up in Indonesia. We've been on this journey for longer than you. We know what's best for you. So, you know, we'll... You know, they're just coming into new wealth and they want to try these things. They've never been able to, you know, they have been able to afford, you know, some beef but not a lot of beef in their diet. And, you know, I think they should be allowed to go on that journey without us lording it over how they should live. Um, you know, they can make their own decisions without having some wealthy nation who, you know, can go to sleep at, at, every night with their stomach full telling them how to buddy, you know, what should be in their fridge. I, I just find that just... Um, the height of arrogance. Or, or not in the fridge, as quite a lot of people don't have them. But the the other thing too, and, and you said this, that you know you, you found it astounding that the government could shut down an entire industry overnight. And, you know, you're an educated man. That wasn't something that you took lightly. But, you know, what has to happen to make sure that that kind of thing doesn't happen again? It's something that has has um, vexed many minds in the industry for a couple of years. But look, uh, I, the only thing I think that can stop that happening going forward is complete and utter transparency. We, as an industry, I don't care what sector you're talking about, we should be absolutely able to and proud to, sh- you know, pull back the curtain, show how we do things. You know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be shirking um, any of that because whilst, you continue to do that, it allows these groups to manipulate the message and, and continue to run the line that what we're potentially doing is, is cruel or inhumane in some way. Whereas if you show everyone, oh, this is actually what we're doing, and here it is, it, it takes away the mystery. Um, you know, that I suppose that that's where we need to be moving to. We need to be moving there quickly because, um, unfortunately, as much as I'm loath to do so, I will give those groups credit in, in the fact that they're very good at what they do and they're very, very good at manipulating the media. Um, and they have vastly more resources than, well, maybe not the US, but in Australia they certainly do. You know, it's funny that people talk about big ag. Well, you know, the, the big ag sector here doesn't have any money. You know, mm. like there's, they have, you know, it, it's... Um, when you're dealing with the Animals Australia and the RSPCA's of the world with with their media campaigns, we're not even in the game. No, and it's it's savvy. Like I I feel, um, you know, they always seem to be ahead of the message. Whereas as a, as an agricultural sector, we're not great at being on the front foot and getting our stories out. The fact that we do have incredible animal welfare and maybe, yes, we had some room for improvement in 2011, but at that stage we were still doing pretty well anyway but we just don't communicate it well yeah that's absolutely right and and i've said 
on multiple occasions since 2011 that you know that all the other ag industries in Australia owe the live export industry, you know, a, a huge. A you know, um Well, absolutely, because <laughs> they they unfortunately were, you know, the the whipping boys for what can happen if you um, you know take your eye off, uh, you know, what can happen out in the in the public domain if you're not doing things that um, some members of the public find appropriate all members of the public find appropriate. So so I still get amazed now that, you know, there's issues in certain sectors, you know, that keep popping up It's because it's like, well, there's the roadmap for you. You know, like they basically have shown you this, these are the ramifications if you if you don't get your house in order. Um, so I, it astounds me that some of these things are still happening. So what do we need to do better then as an agricultural sector when you've got all these different commodities? How do we share some of those ideas, issues, and just be a bit more transparent between these silos? Well, the, these are not easy things. Like the, the, no. like, the, the <laughs> but one. I want to know what you think. <laughs> no, there's there's absolutely um, some incredible people within our broad range of agricultural commodity groups and and lobby groups. Um, unfortunately, and this is I'm not the first to say this. We we have. Um, We've got too many groups. You know, I referred years ago to like uh, Fiona Simpson, the NFF. I think does a phenomenal job, but I called her Chief Cat Herder because you know she's she's got all these um, you know disparate groups underneath her that you know trying to corral the message on. And politicians over the years have been able to play various groups off the break because you know they're not seen from you know the the, the, the one song sheet, um, and and that is just an ongoing problem is that we have too many groups speaking I'm not sure how you change that because there's vested interests and, and, and there's reasons why there are various groups but you know in terms of messaging it, it just doesn't cut through um, you know and when, you, when you're defending your little dung heap um, you know you, you're not you're not converting that consumer to your um, you know the, the right style of thinking, you know, the, or the industry style of thinking, because at least, you know, more often than not, we do have the knowledge. It's just, you know, how do you convey that to the end consumer? And so it's really the, it's just the, the, uh, the, 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 th- the threadbare messaging spread too thinly. Yeah, exactly. We're going to leave that there because I feel like we can, you know, go go on this for quite some time, and there's a, there's fine. a lot more. <laughs> more to do but you know we're talking to you Trent today because of Beef 21 and your involvement and you know looking at your CV you've got many board and committee commitments already between um, various things but you're on the symposium committee and this is a massive part of the Beef Expo so what's the experience been like for you and what can we expect out of the symposium for Beef 21? I have previously been involved in um, a particular group called the Rural Press Club for a number of years, and um, so I, I had some in, in involvement in event management and 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 you know putting on regular um, forums. But this has taken to another level. I, you know, I, I sort of thought I had a, a pretty good handle on what it takes to you know pull together an event. But when you are adding together, you know. Uh, a full day, oh sorry, a, a three quarters of the day of the symposium will go for. So you're talking about multiple speakers, and we obviously have pitched it at a very high level in terms of the, the um, caliber of speakers that we're looking for, which which obviously adds a degree of complexity in trying to land those speakers because of you know um, 
uh, not only you know their their own commitments, but you know we've got obviously we're talking about COVID problems. Well, yeah, and you know the unknown of the unknown of the unknown that can uh, all be ripped absolutely. out from underneath you at any point. So yes, all of that, but still having an event that's going ahead. That's right, and, and then you throw in the seminars on top of that, you know, which go across the week as well, and and uh, you know a broad, very broad range of topics, and I think there's about 24 different seminars. So, uh, the committee has been together for over a year now, and um, uh, I'm still surprised that we're very close to having everything um, in the can. Um, I, I would say we're 99% of the way there. There's only one or two things we're just um, dotting the eyes on, but otherwise, yeah, it's been an extraordinary effort by the, by the committee, um, ably chaired by the wonderful Sarah Becker, um, and um, it's it's been very fulfilling. I'm looking forward to it being run and done, though, because. Um, and we can all uh, put our feet up and have a beer. Well, I was going to say without giving too much away, because obviously you can't give too much away at the moment, but you have a pretty massive role of this particular symposium as you are the MC. So what, what are we going to expect from this, Trent? Like it's, how are you hoping to play it? Uh, well, I'd be lying if I said it's all ready to go yeah. and from my point of view in terms of MCing. So I'm starting to, uh, you know, get my head around um, what I need to be doing on the day. Um, I, I'm, I'm thrilled that uh, they've bestowed this honour on me. I, I'm, and I'm all still, of the pre-reading I, and stalking that you're going to have to do and all of well, that. Look, Great. I, I'm, I'm very lucky here. I'm quite happy to throw a bone. To, I have a... I, uh, obviously work in a large law firm, so I have a library here and I have two very um, uh, very able uh, librarian assistants here. So I, whenever I've been doing this over the years with the Real Press Club and now this, I'm able to sort of go to them with whatever bizarre question I have and as long as I give them enough time, I say, I want you to go and find this information. They do. So they do an incredible job. (laughs) Yeah, so they are very helpful in, in finding, you know, the... The facts on and background on people. Some people sort of occasionally look at you and go, "How would you find that?" And it's like, "Well, I've got a team." So that <laughs> will come in handy in terms of um, the introduction of a number of the speakers. Um, so obviously, beyond topping and tailing the day, obviously, you know, be introducing a number of the speakers throughout the day. I, I, the premier will be there, as is my understanding at the moment, to also um, to open the event. Um, I guess just before we go too much, but if someone hasn't been to the symposium. What is it and what can we expect? Like, I, I feel like we've just skipped a bit of vital detail there. Well, look, it, it's been on the program, uh, I think it was uh, the current chair's uh, baby, so it's Bryce Cam's baby from about three beefs ago. And it, it's it, the, the view is it's obviously something to um, really start the event off in the right way and, um, and get some very high-level topics um, for consideration uh, for you know the attendees at Beef. So this year the the broad theme is leadership. So um, most well the, the five keynote speakers that we have will touch upon that in some way. So talking about what we just did when you say leadership, like industry leadership, talking you know maybe on some of what we were just talking about about the too many different groups. Well, industry leadership, but also leadership of ideas. Um, you know, uh, how do we shape the beef sector? How can we, how can we, uh, you know, manage the pressing priorities of the sector? You know, how do we, how do we maintain a long-term perspective over the horizon? So it's, 
it, it, like each speaker will bring their own. Um, we've we've tried to as best we can, given the calibre of people, it's sometimes difficult telling them what you'd like to talk about because they come back and all oh, maybe this might be a better way for me to proceed. But we've we've given them the nugget of saying it's about leadership and we'd like you to focus on this particular area. But they're obviously going to put their own unique spin on it because you know that's why we bring them along. They are um, leaders in their fields. So, and some of the names that we have lined up, you know, I'm certain people will just be clamouring for tickets because um, of of who they are and and they, and they're standing um, in the broader community. Mm, great. Well, I can't wait to to see who you've got and for that to be. And when will it be announced? Do you think? How far out from the event? The, the lineup. Um, yeah. Look, a couple more. I think we we as I said, we're almost. Um, have it in the can in terms of the final speakers. Um, as I keep saying, that there's some uh, some very very high profile people we're dealing with here, so it's just coordinating their diaries and things of that nature. Um, but I think we're dealing with mid February. Hopefully, we will be. Um, so most of them have committed. We know they're locked in. It's just one or two that we're just uh, we're at the you know, the, the the very end of the, the process. Perfect. Right. Well, we won't have long to wait. Now, are you a cook, Trent? Look, I, I'm, uh, I'm not a bad like cook. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm, <laughs> I'm a great cook, but I, I do certain things well is what I would say. Well, I just because I'm, I'm not sh- sure how familiar you are with this podcast, but we have been asking everyone what their favourite cut is. Not a show-off cut, like I don't want you to do your, you know, fancy dinner party one, but what are you cooking on a, on a Thursday night? Well, look, one thing over, over the, the pandemic, I thought, look, it's about time you, you treat yourself a little bit more. And what I've started doing is there's a magnificent butcher here in Ashgrove called Meet at Billy's, absolutely brilliant butcher. And I duck up there, I get a nice wagyu sirloin, seven plus thereabouts. And I, I just sit there and close my eyes and just, you know, i I've just taken to doing that because I just think, why not? It's, um, <laughs> you know, it's absolutely fantastic. And I've obviously been introducing a couple of my friends who, who you know, um, probably aren't as familiar with, you know, what, what a magnificent breed Wagyu is. And I'm not, you know, like they also have some incredible other, you know, some uh, uh, Robin's Island, Way, uh, uh, Angus and things of that nature. But look, um, yeah, I, I can't at the moment, if you had asked me, what I'm eating at least once a fortnight is, you know, it's a, it's a wavy sirloin. Well, I feel like you're a long way from the stock camp at Wave Hill then, aren't you, Trent? <laughs> <laughs> that, that doesn't sound like familiar territory. But, look, thank you so much for your time um, on What's Your Beef today, Trent. I really appreciate the chat and we'll see you at Beef 21. All right. Thanks, Jane. Beef Australia is proudly supported by our principal partners, Thanks to the Australian Government Department of Agriculture, Water and the Environment, the Queensland Government, Meat and Livestock Australia and the Rockhampton Regional Council. Thanks for listening. You can hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of our episodes. And if you are enjoying listening to the show, we would appreciate a quick rating and review. Visit beefaustralia.com.au for more information on this great event.